We'll turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 8 and start in verse 22. If you have your outlines, you can pull that out and follow along with me. And here in the, the blind man's double touch, Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22. Let me read it, and uh, we'll dive in here and see where the Lord takes us together. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter into the village. Let's pray together. Lord, would you illuminate our pathway as we walk through your word? Lord, uh, as we spoke earlier, all of us have walked in here with a limp or a crawl, with rejoicing or with lament, with burden or with lightness. We've all walked in here with something. And so in this moment, would you allow us to raise our focus on your word and on you, that we would fix our eyes on you as the author and perfecter of our faith? Would your word change us? Would it reflect the intentions of our heart? Would we run after you? And would your word now nourish our souls so that we can be prepared and ready as we leave this place? Lord, we love you and thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. You've seen over the past few weeks that we've, we've looked a lot at the disciples and their maybe seeming forgetfulness, their lack of understanding and what's going on. We've seen them, uh, Jesus feed the 5,000, feed the 4,000, and again, get into the boat. And there's a concern again about the bread, right? We're still struggling with the understanding of all that Jesus is, all that he's doing. And Jesus continues to show them, hey, here am I. I'm the source of life. I am the giver of all good things. Uh, Don't you see all that I can do, what I'm able to do, continuing to foreshadow and show and demonstrate that I am who I say that I am. And the disciples continue to kind of not quite fully get it, right? They continue to be a little bit dull. And so Jesus continues to demonstrate time and time again. And it's that tension that leads us into an actual uh, fairly parallel passage. One that looks at the the healing of this blind man, but in many ways mirrors what is happening in the life and spiritual lives of the disciples. And so as we dig in, this is not just some random occurrence of a blind man that can see. This demonstrates so much about where the disciples are and what Jesus is trying to teach them in light of what we're going to see in the coming weeks. So we need to perk up a little bit. We need to see this. This is not just a a spitting in some guy's eyes and he walks away healed. There's a lot in the undertones and undercurrents of what Jesus is doing in and through this man. And so the first thing that you see on your outline, number one, is others brought the blind man to Jesus. Now, this is a continued theme of the book of Mark. It's a continued theme of much of the New Testament. And it's something that we've talked about on several occasions as we've marched through the book of Mark. And I don't want to be accused of beating a dead horse, but it's come up again and again and again. And so I'm going to just continue bringing it up, not until we grow tired of hearing it, but until we continue to do it, right? And our church has been extremely good at this particular point. 
But let's march our way backwards for just a moment to see how often other people are bringing their friends, bringing their hurting to Jesus. If we march back just a few weeks ago, we saw the deaf man surrounded by people who brought him to Jesus. So the the crowds brought this deaf man to Jesus and laid this deaf man right in front of Jesus and said, Jesus, this man is deaf. Please heal him. You march back even further and you see the Syrophoenician woman. By this point, you guys are experts. You can say it. Syrophoenician. Can you all say it? Ah, you did better than 830. Don't tell me I said that. But the Syrophoenician woman brought their, his, their, her daughter to Jesus, right? Labored and begged Jesus to heal the Syrophoenician woman's daughter. See also that whole crowds of people brought their friends, brought the sick, brought the hurting out from their homes on beds, on stretchers, and laid them in front of Jesus as he walked. Whole crowds of people bringing their friends and laying them down in front of Jesus, hoping that as Jesus passed by, maybe he would touch them and be healed. You march back even further and Jairus brings his daughter to Jesus, comes before Jesus and says, Jesus, my daughter is sick. She's dying. Please, can you heal her? March back even further and you see the four men carrying the paralytic through the roof, lowering him down to Jesus. So this would be the sixth time this particular point has come up in one of my sermons. How often you see others bringing their friends, bringing the hurting, bringing the lost, bringing the sick right before Jesus. That this is a core truth of who we are as believers, that we bring people to Jesus. We have the privilege of carrying our brothers and sisters to the Lord in prayer, to the Lord, sometimes by bringing a casserole or a dish over to their house and saying, the Lord loves you and so do I. We're with you. We're praying for you. We love you. Can I say as a scan again across this congregation, can I tell you how beautiful it is to see people who have been in different phases of life hurting and needy, and we've seen the body of Christ rise up to bring you to Jesus. I can confidently say as our hospital list is sent out every single day that you are prayed for, you are loved, you are cared for if you are going through a hardship. Man, our church is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not a perfect pastor and you're not perfect people. We are not perfect. We have warts, we have flaws, we don't do everything perfectly. Sometimes we foul tip stuff, but can I tell you, we're not a perfect church, but by golly, we are a praying church. Right now, right now, in the midst of our church service, there have been people who have been praying for you, for our church, right down in the fellowship hall consistently, week after week after week. They pray for you personally, individually, as you fill out those prayer cards. All throughout the week, we have a prayer room where people are praying for you. We understand the core value of what it means for us to bring people to Jesus. And so I would encourage you as you walk through life, are you looking for people who need to see Jesus? Are you bringing them to Jesus? Are you reminding them of the great comfort and love and peace that comes from knowing Jesus? This will continue to be a point week after week until it continues to be something that we just naturally do week in and week out. That we're looking for people who need to know Jesus. I'm so thankful that my parents had this core value in their hearts. 
I know I made fun of a couple weeks ago, my grandmother and my parents sitting on the second row of our church week after week after week. And if you sat in their pew, they'd kick you out. But that was just, we, we went week after week after week. They brought me to church. They showed me the value of being in the church, of seeing Jesus week after week. But then they partnered that with bringing me to Jesus in the church, but also showing me what it looked like to follow Jesus with their lives. So friends, we continue. We continue recognizing that throughout Scripture, we see the value of bringing people to Jesus. Because let me ask you this important question. What if, what if that group of people did not bring this blind man to Jesus? This blind man did not have the capability to find Jesus on his own. He couldn't find Jesus in the mix of all the people. There's no way that this blind man is finding Jesus and having this incredible experience with Jesus if it were not for the friends. We have a responsibility. We have a, a privilege of a responsibility to bring people into proximity, into relationship with Jesus, to take people by the hand and say, let me show you Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me pray for you in your need. And so others, again, brought the blind man to Jesus. And we continue on. Number two, Jesus leads the man outside the village. And this is fascinating because you get to verse 23 and Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village and he spit in his eyes and then laid hands on him. Again, one of the favorites of uh, teaching kids Sunday school is one of these particular passages when they can spit in each other's eyes. That does not happen here at our church. We don't allow the kids to spit in each other's eyes. Always something they would like to do. But here again, you see Jesus leading the man outside the village. Now, in all the ways in which Jesus could heal, why would Jesus choose to do it in this way? We could look at verse 26, where Jesus charges the man to go straight home and not to tell anybody that maybe Jesus was not wanting his messianic identity to be known at this time. And that's certainly part of the equation. But Jesus could easily have spoken a word of healing over this man. He could have said, hey, everybody here, you're, you're all healed, right? Just open your eyes, blind man, you can now see. He could have touched the blind man. He could have been healed. Jesus had healed some of these people from a distance and and healed them in that way. But for some reason, Jesus takes this man by the hand and doesn't just lead him into a back room, right? He leads him outside of the village into maybe a desolate place or a quiet place. Now, why would Jesus do this? Now, I want you for a moment to put yourself in the shoes of this blind man. Imagine you were blind and A group of people heard about some guy that could heal. And so they they take you and they lead you to a a place with crowds screaming all around. Imagine, I'm sure you watched some football yesterday. Imagine you are blind and somebody takes you to a football stadium and all you hear is just crazy yelling. Some people angry, some people happy, some people yelling, some people quiet, some, some things happening all around and you don't really know what's going on. You're blind and you're relying on the people next to you to tell you what's happening. You put yourself in the shoes of this blind man. All he knows is that he's, he's blind and his friends have told him that they need to follow him and come on with him. And all of a sudden, this guy takes you by the hand and leads you out from all the crowds and all the people and begins to have a conversation with you, talking you through what he's about to do telling you you're about to be healed and not just telling you that, but actually demonstrating it. He can't see. So putting spittle in his eyes and touching him and asking if he can see. There's something beautiful about the interpersonal nature of Jesus. Easily could have just spoken healing over this man. Easily could have done the easy thing, but Jesus did the long thing. 
He walked this man outside the city, intentionally looking at him in his eyes that could not yet look back on him, spitting in his eyes, touching him, laying his hands all over him and healing him and making him whole. It's a beautiful interpersonal nature of our God to lovingly carry this man, walk with this man and talk to him when there are crowds all around, yet he was there for the one. I to think that this man was a little bit scared, a little bit frightened, and Jesus taking him away showed the intentionality and the interpersonal nature of our God. Made me think back to as a 12th grader here at our church, we went on youth camp and I was a senior and uh, went to Doublehead Resort with our church through youth camp and about the second day, I got a phone call from my dad that my grandmother had been diagnosed with cancer. And there I am in the midst of youth camp, one of the most wonderful weeks of the whole year. And I'm there with all these people and my friends and people I didn't know and mentors and all this stuff. And I've just received this devastating information. And now I remember getting it. And before I even knew it, before I had time to even think of all the emotions and all the people and questions and just stuff happening all around, this deeply beloved brother, mentor, older man, took me by the hand, took me out of all the people and all the crowd and just took me away. And we just got away by ourselves and he allowed me just to talk and cry and process. He prayed and encouraged and just sat there with me in the intentionality of that moment, just to be sitting there looking at me with his arm around me, just letting me walk through exactly what I needed to walk through. In the midst of my fear and all these people all around, that beautiful moment of this mentor just walking with me and encouraging me and sitting down with me and letting me process out all that I was feeling. And here Jesus took this man by the hand. Remember, this isn't just a good teacher, a good prophet. This is the Savior of the universe, God of all creation, taking this blind man, unnamed blind man, not just down the street, but outside the village to pursue and love and talk and heal. And you look at something like Psalm 23 that we've looked at many a time that said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. I will not be in fear. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, the psalmist understood the nature of he's my God. He's with me. He's not left me nor forsaken me. He is with me always to the end of the age. And yes, he is with us as a church. He is with the global church. He is together with all of us, but he is with you. He loves you. He cares for you. He hears your cries. He hears your needs. He knows your frame. It's a beautiful nature that, yes, we sometimes think God is so big and he's so massive and he's over all things and he's in all things. How could he care about me? But here you see Jesus taking this unnamed blind man, taking him by the hand and leading him out and lovingly healing him in the most beautiful way possible. Jesus, with such an encouraging way, demonstrates his care and love just like the prodigal son returning home wondering if anybody's going to care you have a father who runs out to greet him and puts his arms all around him with a hugging loving embrace Jesus cares for the one as much as he cares for the whole he cares for you he knows you and then you get to number three on the back of your outline you see the encouraging double touch this encouraging double touch of Jesus now this is the only example in scripture that we have of a healing that comes in stages 
right? In all other places, Jesus would say, rise up, take up your mat and walk. He would say, you know, let me put my finger in your ears and now you can hear. In most every other instance, except for this particular case in the book of Mark, do we see Jesus work in stages. Now, would it mean that Jesus is having trouble performing this miracle, that there's something that Jesus has found that's too hard for the Lord? I don't think that's the case. I think in many ways that Jesus is trying to mirror and demonstrate to the disciples exactly what's going on in their heart. We see the disciples were lost before they met Jesus. They didn't know where they were going. They were, they were lost souls before they met Jesus. As they meet Jesus, as they converse with Jesus, and as they're called by Jesus to follow him, they, you see that their eyes begin to open. You see these flashes of brilliance as they go out two by two, and they, they do all these incredible things, and they come back and report to Jesus. They're, they're so excited, so set on fire. But you also see these moments where they're so dull, and they seem to miss it where it's almost like they, they can see a little bit, but not see in full, where they, they get it, but not quite. And you see when the resurrection happens and Jesus is raised from the dead, that it's almost like the blinders were lifted and they fully understood exactly who Jesus was. And they begin to follow him with their lives. And here in much the same way, Jesus comes to this blind man who is blind and cannot see. He spits in his eyes and touches his body and says, do you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Well, thanks. thanks be to God that he didn't just say, well, that's pretty good. It's better than nothing, right? I mean, at least you can see somewhat looks like people. I mean, that's not too bad. We'll see you later. That's, that's my time. I'm done. Right. Thanks, thanks be that Jesus didn't just exasperate this man and say, you should have had more faith and you would have been healed the first time. Jesus didn't just yell at this man or get frustrated with him for his lack of faith or for the lack of healing that's happened. It's like Jesus kind of understood that he wouldn't be healed. Jesus never asked a follow-up question in any other cases. So Jesus looks at him and said, do you see anything? And knowing this man said, I see, but they're like trees walking. Jesus laid his hands on the eyes again and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored and he saw everything completely clearly. This beautiful double touch of Jesus. The disciples are, this man didn't fully be able to see, but Jesus laid his hands, not getting angry, not getting frustrated. And this man was completely restored. This miracle was not too difficult for Jesus. It was not too hard for Jesus. It didn't take multiple stages. But I think in many ways, Jesus was demonstrating not only to his disciples, but to us as well. That when Jesus heals, he heals fully and completely. He doesn't take some of our sin away. He doesn't take a portion of our sin away. He doesn't clear us up so that we're good enough to make it to heaven. No, he takes all of our sin away. He heals us completely of the disease of sin in our hearts. You see, interestingly enough, number four, Jesus laid his hands on this man and he sent him away. His eyes were completely restored and he sent him home saying, do not even enter the village. Now, if you're looking for a proof text this morning, if you're looking for a text that would keep you from evangelism, this is not it. If you're looking for a, 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 you know, a passage that you could say, well, I guess I don't have to evangelize because Jesus sent the blind man home and didn't, he didn't have to go do anything. This is not what Jesus' heart is about, right? Jesus was not yet his time for his messianic identity to be shown. And so he sends this blind man home 
without telling. But we have, number four, an opposite mission. Get that straight. Our mission is not to just simply go home and not tell anybody. That's, that's not our calling. That's not our charge. That's not your mission and our mission. Our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died on the cross, when he was raised from the dead, he gave his disciples a charge to go. And so with this blind man's charge is to, to go home and not to tell anybody, our charge is quite the opposite. Our charge is to leave this place and not go back into the city. It is to go into the city, to go into the places that God has called us into, to go and tell the good news of Jesus, of what he has done. You look back at Isaiah 35, and you see that over and again, we've seen so many places in which this has come true. Even in the few weeks that we've been looking at the book of Mark, the eyes of the blind have been opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame leaping for joy like a deer, and the tongue of the mute singing for joy. But Jesus continues and continues and continues to demonstrate that he is not a good healer, that he is not just a good teacher to come and speak another sermon, that he is the giver of life, that he has come to take our sins away. And so in everything that he's doing, he's forecasting and showing what he has called us to do. And so when Jesus sends this man home, it is not our charge. As I've often said, our charge is not simply to come into First Baptist Church, listen to a sermon, and go home. Our charge is always to listen to the word. Listen to what these songs and what we've tried to do through community and our Bible fellowship classes to leave the doors of First Baptist Church ready to take the gospel message with us, to enter into the city, to enter into homes, to enter into businesses, to enter into the places that God has called us to go and speak truth clearly to people. There's a lot of blind and deaf and lame and hurting and sick and poor all around us. And so our calling continues to be the same, to take people to Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the great comforter. He's the great hope of this world. Friends, we take people to Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you that we, as people, we were lost, but by God's grace, we've been found. We were blind, but now we see. Lord, never let us escape the reality that we were blind. Never let us escape the reality that we were sinners in need of a Savior. Or if we recognize what you've done for us, Lord, I pray that it compels us not to continue to sit, but to go and to tell and to show what you've done. That we would be vigilant about looking for people who are looking for Jesus. That you would help us, give us eyes to see, ears to listen, a heart to love. Lord, I thank you that you, you are our God. You are my God. That you have saved me. That you are my good shepherd. That you lead us by the hand. That you know us intimately, yet you love us deeply. So we thank you for the joy that it is to trust in you. Be with us now as we come to this time of invitation. It's in your name we pray. Amen.